So this week we're going to be in Genesis 40 as we continue the story of Joseph. And I want to talk about some of the things we looked at this week in VBS as we looked at the story of Joseph. I liked this VBS that when the ladies picked it that each day had a theme and that theme was carried through the opening into and then as the crews went out they went to game time or they went to uh, a video room or they went to imagination station where they had crafts or they came to the bible adventures that each one of those was focused on what the theme was and that theme was carried through and repeated throughout the day i'm going to see if i'm any better with you guys than i was with the kids because i had a hard time with this part of it that when the theme of the day was said, it was interwoven into our teaching that the kids were supposed to have a response. And so the day for theme one was God loves you no matter what, and they were supposed to respond, awesome God. So God loves you no matter what. Awesome God. All right. As we looked at that, we were looking at as Joseph's story begins, we see all of the messed up things in his family, with Jacob being showing favoritism and his brothers being who his brothers were and the jealousy and the anger and the hatred and selling him. You know, God did great things through Jacob. He made the 12 tribes of Israel from Joseph's brothers and himself. The God's love is evident in that. And as Joseph is going through this story, that even through all the things happening to him, God loves him. Day two, our theme was... God is with you everywhere. All right. And that's sort of what we've looked at the last couple of weeks, that whether Joseph was in the hole or he was being sold into Potiphar's house or he was being sent to jail, that God was with him in each of those situations. Day number three, as we began to look at Joseph being in jail and interpreting the dreams where we're going to be at today, that God is in charge of everything. And he is. And that should give us comfort and that should give us hope. Day four was the day where we shifted focus away from Joseph and we jumped ahead 2,000 years and we looked at Jesus going to the cross and the resurrection. And we got to look at how some of the things in Joseph's life foreshadowed who Jesus would be, but yet that I mean, death is, and we know that death is something that's final. That Jesus' disciples and Mary Magdalene and the women who went to the tomb, they were expecting to find a body there because death is something that we know once it happens, it's final. That even though Jesus had predicted his resurrection, they weren't expecting to find an empty tomb. But death could not hold Jesus in that tomb because our day four theme was God is stronger than anything and he is an awesome God and that is is our in our faith that is what we put our faith in in Jesus Christ and his promise of eternal life and his raising from the dead is the one thing that should give us hope above all other things that our God is stronger than anything that he can do because Jesus is alive we 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 praise a risen Savior and day five and this is going to spoil next Sunday as we finish Joseph's story, or the next two Sundays, but that God is surprising. As Joseph's brothers show up, and God has made him second in charge of overall of Egypt, and 
all of these things that God is surprising. That it may have been hard to see what his plans were in the middle of it, but that his plans do come true in surprising ways oftentimes. And so we worship an awesome God. So with that in mind, let's, let's look at this chapter. There isn't a whole lot just here in chapter 40 to pull out. So we're just going to read through it, look at a few things, and then we'll come back to a little bit of what we talked about in VBS. So Genesis chapter 40, again, as we left Joseph at the end of chapter 39, he had been accused of something he didn't do, and he was thrown in jail, but we got to see twice at the end, like twice at the beginning, it says that God was with Joseph, and God gave him favor in the eyes of the jailer, and God was with him. So we find out in chapter 40, it says, Then it came about after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbaker and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, in the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. So Moses doesn't tell us when he writes this what they were in jail for, but because it's the chief cupbearer and the baker, both people who would have been in charge of things that Pharaoh ate or drank, that people think that maybe someone attempted to poison Pharaoh and he doesn't know who it was. And so he takes these two chiefs of his and he puts them in jail and he's furious with them. Number four, the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them and he took care of them and they were in confinement for some time. Look there at the confinement for some time. We're looking in Joseph's life at, again, he was sold into slavery at 17 is when he ends up in Egypt. So you last week as we were looking at him in the house of Potiphar, he's probably mid-20s by now. The time he's been in jail to this point has been another few years. And by the time he's out, at least 13 years have passed, and we're still a couple years away from Bo. This is not like short trials that Joseph is going through. That he is, he is enduring and he is living out his faith through all of this, through an extended period of time. Five, then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night, each man with his own dream and each dream with its own interpretation. Now, throughout ancient times, Dreams were very important. When we were teaching Bible adventures, Sam was bringing this out to the kids that if you jump forward to Nebuchadnezzar a few hundred years later, a hundred years or so later, I mean, the Babylonians thought dreams were important. These were viewed as important for knowing what was going to happen. That if you had a, a distinct dream that was out of the ordinary that you really remembered, that you needed to understand what it meant, Otherwise, something might sneak up on you. It's interesting. I almost never dream this way anymore. When I was younger, I would have extremely vivid dreams. And it was amazing how much they would affect me. Like, I didn't put stock into them like they were telling me the future. But if I dreamt that I had, I remember one time specifically, I, I had this Jeep Cherokee that I loved in college, and I had this dream that I was going up this hill. I'd gone up a lot of times, and it slid to the side, and it rolled down the hill, and my Jeep was totaled, and I woke up so sad. <laughs> and even when I realized that it was just a dream, like the first few hours of my day, I was just in this terrible mood because uh, I had woken up that way. And then so 
And for us, I don't view dreams in the way they did. And so if them having this vivid dream that is, they wake up, they remember it, they don't know what to do about it. And for them, this is important. And so it's affecting their countenance. It's easy for Joseph to see that something is wrong. It says in verse 6, when Joseph came to them in the morning, he observed them and behold, they were dejected. So both of them, they need to know what these dreams meant. It wasn't clear like a dream I would have had where uh, something good had happened and I woke up happy or something bad had happened and I woke up sad. They have these dreams and they don't know what they mean and they are, they're confused and they're upset and Joseph can easily tell uh, from the way they're acting and how they look that, that something is wrong. So verse 7, it says, He asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? And then they said to him, We have a dream and there is no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. Yeah, this is to me, Joseph's faith, uh, through everything that has happened in his life, to be so far from home and to feel so far from the promises that God had made to him. And yet when these dreams are presented, he doesn't say, well, I've interpreted dreams before. Or good luck with dreams. I had dreams when I was young and look, look at me now. No, he says, no man can interpret dreams. The, the Egyptians, they found in their writings and hieroglyphs and things, they had people who that's specifically what they did. Like Nebuchadnezzar's wise men hundreds of years later, there were people that were trained in just doing that, in interpreting dreams. And yet Joseph says, you don't need one of them. In the I have a connection to Yahweh, the eternal promise-keeping God. Tell me your dream. I mean, that's faith. That's faith in the face of trials that... I have a hard time even comprehending what it would be like to be in a, an Egyptian prison for years and yet to still have that kind of faith. Verse 9, So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches, and as it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took those grapes and I squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. Three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer. So he has this dream, and he it's vivid and he remembers it, you know, against everything he's accustomed to with seeing grapes grow and knowing the right time to pick them and all these things. These grapes just come out of the blossom and they're ripe and he squeezes them and he has them in the cup and Joseph tells him what it means. You're getting your job back. And again, Joseph is giving this, that is not him interpreting and that God is giving him this interpretation. That Joseph in his faith knows that it was God who gave these men these dreams and he's giving him the opportunity to tell them what they mean. He says, you're getting your job back. You'll be back before Pharaoh doing what you've always done. And then Joseph says, only keep me in mind when it goes well with you. And please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh 
and get me out of this house. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing that they should have put me into this dungeon. So that's Joseph's request to him. Hey, this is going to happen. I know it will happen because my God said it will. And when it does, could you mention me to Pharaoh? I haven't done anything to be here. I haven't done anything to be in Egypt, let alone in this prison in Egypt. And yet his faith is still strong. Now we see the interpretation of the chief baker. Verse 16, when the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, I do think that is interesting that that's, the baker wasn't quite sure, do I take my dream to Joseph or, well, the cupbearer got a good interpretation, well, let me take mine. He said to Joseph, I saw in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. And in the top basket, there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, and the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Then Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh off you. Not quite the same result as the cupbearer. You know, we don't know. Maybe he was the guilty party. We don't know anything about these men other than that God put them there. God gave them these dreams, and he gave Joseph the correct interpretation. Verse 20, thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. It's an interesting place Joseph finds himself. I, I have no idea what my mindset would be. Again, we're looking at about, you know, again, the next chapter, we will see the cupbearer eventually remember him. It's another two years. This is almost half of Joseph's life. He's either been a slave or in prison. And yet his faith is this shining light to all around him. Enough that when he was a slave that Potiphar knew exactly why he was being blessed. And enough that God's presence in jail puts him in charge of... It's so easy sometimes in life to just see the circumstance and to miss the big picture. It takes me to the, the other thing I wanted to talk about from VBS. It was a throughout the week type thing as we looked at each one of those things about our God is that they asked the kids to look for what they called God sightings. I thought that was really neat. I wish I'd written down more of them because several times throughout the week they said to the kids in the opening or the closing, hey, have you had a God sighting? And the kids would call out these answers, and I remember a few of them. A rainbow. Yeah, that is a God sighting. The rain that we've had. Yes, that is God. And one of my favorites was one of the kids called out, new friends. Yeah. But when we have those things in our life, do we see God in them? Uh, it's been a while. It's some time ago, especially when we're getting ready to go on trips 
it's hard because you know when you buy a DVD that it will probably end up in the basket beneath the television with all the other DVDs we own and never get watched. But when we're going on trips, the, the Suburban has a DVD player in it, and to keep the kids occupied, you know, find ones in the $5 bin or whatever at Walmart. My wife bought a, a DVD that had the Beethoven movies in it, you know, with the St. Bernard. Probably a fan of those movies. I loved those movies when I was a kid. There's a scene in the first one that, that I was thinking about this week. I was thinking about that. The little boy in the family is a skinny little guy with glasses and his pants hiked up and and he's at school and he's at lunch and the bullies take his milk and they pour it all over his food and the him and they're pushing him around and they're like, hey, we'll see you after the school, you know. He rides home on the bus and the kids are threatening him. And he gets off the bus and he's trying to hurry to get away from them and they corner him and he's he's backing up and he's scared. And what he doesn't see is Beethoven, his enormous 100-and-something-pound St. Bernard, comes up behind him, snarling at these three bullies that are coming at him from the front. And the bullies sort of, <laughs> they run away. The little boy never sees Beethoven. He, yeah. <laughs> the next scene with him in it, he's in his bathroom in front of the mirror without his shirt on. <laughs> yeah. Flexing his tiny little muscles like it was him that these bullies were somehow just terrified of him and they ran away. And I think about that in our lives. We've been focusing a lot on the negative, but we need to see God in all things. That in the positive things in my life, that God is there. That I'm praising him for those things. And that when the hard times do come, that God has provided this and this and this in my life, and I know he's going to see me through this too. Because I believe that's where Joseph was in this, that Joseph, again, he has this great-grandfather who gets this promise from God, and against all odds, he has a son, Joseph's grandfather Isaac. And God makes the same promise to him, and then Joseph's father Jacob, and he's a tricky fellow, and he steals his brother's birthright, and he, all these things in his life are a mess, but God has made the same promise to him, that he will always be with him. And he has. And then Joseph gives, or God gives Joseph these dreams that I'm going to do something through you. And Joseph has seen what God has done in the lives of his great-grandfather and his grandfather and his father, and he believes with his whole heart that that promise that God made to him, that in this family of promise, my chosen people, I am going to do something through you. It is that perspective. I've talked a lot about mindset. Um, turn with me to Colossians 3. That's why I usually mark in my Bible, because when I'm standing in front of all of you, it's hard, it's hard to do the sword drill. In Colossians 3, beginning in verse 1, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated in the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. It's, what is my focus on? In the positive or the negative? Am I focused on me? If something goes well, is it, look what I did? Or is it what God did through me? If I'm facing a trial, do I have joy in that trial? Because God is doing something in my life. 
In Joseph's life, God is preparing him to be the second in command of life, to have the perfected faith that he will need when his brothers walk through that door. And Joseph had that faith. And do we have that mindset of this is what God is doing in my life? In verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Paul had that perspective that no matter what I face in this life, what's to come will make it all worth it. It's having that eternal perspective, that perspective of God and his plans and, and how I'm just lucky to get to be a part of it. But he is working and he is working through me. And I will say this, that I don't think that when we think about our life and having God's sightings, I mean, this isn't something that we should have to be searching high and low for. I don't think Joseph, you know, he didn't have to, to think when these men told him, well, we've had these dreams. He didn't have to sit there and go, well, you know, maybe this is God. I don't know. No, right away. God is the one who interprets dreams. I have a connection to God. Tell me your dreams. He saw God in that. He saw God through all of these things, and God was building him up. And that is why he is who he is. That is why he was who he was in Potiphar's house. That's why he is who he is in the prison. That's why Pharaoh will make him second in command. This was something that just flowed out of him. I mean, for a non-Egyptian to end up in the position Joseph will end up in, it's just unheard of for those who study the Egyptian history. But Joseph's faith made him different because he saw God in his circumstances. I don't think these are things we have to look for. We just have to open our eyes. Again, as Paul said there in Colossians, that having that mindset, putting our minds on the things above, that's where we need to be every day. To wake up, no matter if we're facing the worst day of our life or something wonderful is happening, to go, it's your will for me, God. Whatever you have for me, I am, I'm in it. Bring glory to yourself through me. I truly believe that's where Joseph's mind was at, and that's where we need to encourage ourselves to keep our focus. But how much where our focus is, where our mindset is, affects the direction we travel is astounding. And so focus there. Look for the God sightings in your life whether it's something simple, whether it's something beautiful, whether it's something tragic. How are you going to work through that? And some of these things we may not know. I mean, Joseph has this, again, day five. God is surprising. Awesome God. <laughs> you guys are just like the kids I taught all week. <laughs> Joseph has the luxury of getting that surprise from God in his lifetime and seeing how God was working. Many of us won't know until we're on the other side of things as to what God was doing at a certain point in time. I've probably mentioned this before. I, I, you know, when my mom died, that was one of the, like, the hardest thing for me was, I mean, my dad was so involved in traveling to Myanmar and to India and to all these places four or so times a year. And, and then he spent half his time fundraising and writing and other stuff all at home. And it just seemed like my mom was such a big part of his ministry. God, how is he going to do this without her? I had just finished my first semester of seminary, and after my wife, my mom was my biggest fan. 
God, how am I going to get through the next two and a half years? Well, it was the wrong focus. And it took some time to come around to that. And I have no idea what God did through taking her home so early and so quickly. But I have no doubt someday I will find out. I don't know if it's my life. I don't know if it's my dad's life or my sister's or her grandchildren. Or maybe it was just the nurses in that hospital that day that saw us singing hymns and praising God as she breathed her last. I don't know. But God was in it. The challenge is having that perspective in that moment. And that's our challenge today.